As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Football Show's Football GM Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Football GM Podcast. Mike Sando here from The Athletic, along with the GM, my athletic, or my The Athletic colleague, Randy Mueller. How you doing, Randy? Doing great, Mike. This is supposed to be the off-season. I've never been busier the last few weeks, and, and I actually love it. I think yeah. there is a million things that we're going to hit on today, and probably a million more coming up in March. And uh, as you know, when the season ends, the batons get passed to the GM world from the oh, yeah. coach. And so we should have plenty to talk about over the next few months. No doubt about it. Well, of course, you're, you started up already with your free agency ranking. So we're going to get into some of that, which is going to be fun. Um, but yeah, people used to always ask, you know, when they find out what you do for a living, what do you do in the off season? Used to always be the, <laughs> I, that was probably the number one question I would get the most when you said yeah. you're you know, covering the NFL around the NFL. What do you do in the off season? Well, let me explain. <laughs> That's the yeah. funnest part sometimes, really. It really is. Because things you know, the, the, the team performance sort of stands still. We don't have to try to keep up with and make sense of what happened in the last game. We have a baseline to work off of. And then when you have a whole off season to, to do stuff and build your roster, um, that's really some of the funnest stuff, isn't it? Well, it definitely is in the GM world. I think the, the, the facets that get, uh, off the radar for most fans are that these off seasons of, multitasking nowadays with what has to happen in a NFL front office between really the end of the season and March 17th or whenever the new league starts. It is crazy the amount of information and and intake that these offices have to have and give and communicate to each other just to get everybody sometimes in your own building on the same page can be exhausting. Absolutely. Yeah. This isn't, wasn't really on our schedule, but thinking about this, you know, the NBA All-Star Game was recently, remember that? And they took a lot of criticism for how it's what it's evolved into. And I was talking to my son about it, made me think a little bit about the NFL and, and managing people. Mm-hmm. And my, my son, who's you know 19 years old, we were talking about the dunk contest. And, and he was saying, why would a star want to do this? Because uh, one of them did, one of the Celtic stars was in it, and he had a bad dunk you know and, and everybody was making fun of it right it means immediately it was on sports or on uh, <laughs> social media you know and yeah. ha ha yeah. this and that and you know what it made me think of is is just the, the management of people and and 
the the world that these players live in now is so different. And I was thinking, you know, we all sort of fall into this. Shoot, I, I, I pulled out the... I, I had the 1986 All-Star game. I recorded it back then. And we, my son and I watched it. And it was unbelievable. It looked like an NBA Finals game. Now these guys yeah. are playing hard, laying themselves out there. But I was also thinking, in this world today, Randy, of social media and what these players have to deal with, do you remember how bristly uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was on the Lakers when he didn't want to deal with the media? And he, mm-hmm. was, he was known for pouting and all of that. Put him in today's world. Did you see that thing the other day where uh, – you know, I think it was, was it Kevin Durant was being heckled in the crowd? Yep, yep. Um, and, and just how much more stuff is swirling around people's minds. I mean, yep. think of uh, just the other day, you post your free agency rankings, there's 400 comments immediately with three, you know, with 20 people calling you an idiot, 20 people yeah, saying good job. Right. All of this, but all of this stuff is what everybody, all this noise is what everybody has to deal with now on their own level. And it's huge if you're a Kevin Durant or one of those guys. And it's big if you're a general manager. But managing all of that and just sort of keeping straight in your mind what's really important uh, and what's real and what's not real, all this stuff's real. So all those things are stuff you're having to deal with now as a general manager and keeping everyone on the same page. Right. It's really, yeah, it's really hard because all the agendas, as you mentioned, all the people involved, all all of them have different agendas. And yeah. I'll, one quick example of one thing that I always do when we're preparing for the draft is especially the last month when we're kind of in lockdown in, in a draft room on your planning, your strategy, your final evaluations. I used to shut out. I'd never turn a TV on. I didn't care about ESPN. I didn't care who was saying what. God bless yeah. all the experts, but I don't really care. My, yeah, you my didn't thought, have to pay attention. You know, yeah, the other day was, could I do that now? Because there's so many no. avenues. I'd almost have to live in a bubble because you can't get away from it now. You can't get away from social media. You can't get away from any of this stuff. But, but it's what, I it's think your I'd still try reality. to. Yeah, but I yeah, know, but, it, I think but it's, your, it's the reality for your players. That, yes, that's the issue. Yes. issue. I was, there was this terrible story, Randy, in the, in the New York Times today. It was a great story, but it was about how uh, parents of little girls even are giving them Instagram accounts and making them into little stars. And you've got a bunch of adults on there following them in a, in super creepy ways. And I just thought, yeah. thought of all of these things are sort of an extension of the world we live in now and, and the management of people and just keeping people's heads pointed forward and, and keeping them mentally in the right place just feels like it's harder and harder than ever to do. And is a part of this on your, your team, you almost have to, you know, as I'm sure they do, they've got the, the psychologists, everybody here to help people navigate this stuff. So anyway, that wasn't on our agenda, but I, th- I just thought it was talking no, it about was the job and the off season. There's a lot of people that can reach the players and coaches yep. and all in ways that maybe didn't happen before that aren't always healthy and are something you got to deal with. Um, you know, in your building. So probably all the more reason, Mike, to have a direct and continuous relationship and line of communication with your players if you're a GM. Taking yeah. all of that other noise out of it. Yes. If I have an issue with Justin Fields or want to know him to know something, he's coming in and we're talking face to face. And more I so think than sometimes in the past. way more than in the past. Way more. You've got to find a way to have a direct communication so your line of communication doesn't get sideways by all these other agendas. So and I was thinking about that, like in their case though, the the, the Bears probably can't 
tell him exactly what they're thinking, right? Because there's no, a little bit of poker right. involved here. They may have already decided, hey, we're drafting Caleb Williams and we got to right. you know, keep the value up for Justin Fields. So that's an awkward situation. They probably, he was complaining the other day, hey, I, I just want to know this is sort of, yeah. but as a GM, could you make it so that he's not saying that without betraying your strategy or how, how would you? Well, I think it actually works the other way in that if you, how much you let out hurts your own cause as a team. So you're right. You've got to be careful what you do pass on to him. But again, I think just being there to understand the way he feels and having him know that you understand that, I think would be helpful in the process. And maybe, the, I mean, we're not picking on the Bears. A lot of no. these relationships happen around the league. I just think you have to be more people-oriented as a decision-maker in the NFL now than ever before because of things like this. Even if you can't tell, in this case, Justin Fields, the specifics, you can tell him how much you understand that the taxing part of this for you. But know that, hey, here's kind of our timeline. Here's what we're going to do. It's probably best for us, none none of us, to say anything about it. We just got to grin and bear it. I don't care if you uh, scrub us from your social media platforms. I could care less. I do the same thing. As as a as a GM yeah. or as an employee of the athletic, I'll I'll mute people because I just don't have time for the nonsense. I don't have That's time. That's why to hear I couldn't it. get a hold of you the other day. Dang it, well, you muted me. I, <laughs> I don't. It's just nuts. So I get it, but they yeah, need to yeah. know that they have support and, and understanding from the front office yeah. in these relationships. All right, let's get into free agency rankings. I think that's an interesting conversation, though, and and we'll see how all of that factors in in this offseason as the storylines and misunderstandings and all of that um, do happen and affect the relationships. I want to get into the the top 150. Everybody needs to check this out. If you're a fan of free agency, if you're a fan of the NFL, you want to, you know, not just your uh, boilerplate rankings, but Randy, tell us how you did this project 150 you didn't just spend last weekend this together <laughs> how long you've been working on it uh what uh is involved and then we're going to get into some of the actual rankings themselves and discuss ones that might be surprising or interesting or what so what do you do well, how do you do this it is a, a pretty good size undertaking for sure and i would not recommend anybody decides to be a one-man scouting department themselves <laughs> because it is you say you, you you we we did sequence 150 free agents but to do that i probably looked at 250 or maybe even more because you're obviously not going to always look at guys who make the 150 so you end up looking at a lot of guys it's a great exercise for some hobbit like myself who loves to sit around and look at tape it's great um, but it is enormous uh, i think the staff at the athletic are the only reason i was able to pull it off or, or even come close to it is because I got help from the beat writers, from the editors. A lot of people were involved in this from the graphic In just getting the list or what? Yeah. And I'll say this, it it started with kind of consider this like a combine list that came from the writers. Um, They kind of prioritized their thoughts, which gives me a starting point, right? Yeah. And then I, at the end, I also come back with input from editors, from graphics, from more beat writers uh, frame of mind that... Uh, these guys might get tagged or these guys, we need to add this because we just didn't rank one through 150. We've got a little synopsis on each person, each each player. Yeah. So if you're a, a fan really of following this closely, you can go through there and, and hit on the tabs and pull up, hey, this is what Randy thought. Or this is what the beat writer thought. I think the other day, uh, one of the higher ups told me that the average time spent on 
on people looking at our 50 or 150 list was like three and a half minutes when they would go in there. That's a long time. That's for a long to, time yes, on the internet. Yes. A long time to, to view one thing. So there's a lot of information there. That's the only point I'm making. And uh, I, I just think the meat and potatoes, the evaluating part, I did. But the other people had a lot to do with kind of directing yeah. me. And uh, I kind of look at it as these were the, they were the scouts and, and I might have just been the decision maker at the end of it. The big difference in what we did as, as far as putting this together is it, when you put it up against the real version, the reality of NFL teams doing it, there are five guys evaluating each player. And you sit down and talk about these strengths and weaknesses and build a consensus. And so you always have a criteria of what your team is looking for in specific each position. And then you build your consensus with everybody's thoughts. We don't have that. And obviously we don't have that kind of staff. And so and we don't have a team. You're not drafting. Yeah. You're not you're not signing for right. a team specifically. Right. Yeah. And so when fans go on there and say, oh, this is messed up. This guy has this guy ranked here or there. We really don't know uh, what other teams will see. I know what has worked well for me over the last 30 years, and really that's the vision of the project is kind of what Randy likes in players. And that may be different than what Mike likes in players. So when t- I would just say when, when people look at the list, keep in mind that you may know more than me with regard to your team's exact specifics that they're looking for. So it, it was quite a project. Um, I just think the criteria, what skill sets are there, have to be identified, and then you prioritize these skill sets. And it starts with a list by position. Uh, so there's you know 15 wide receivers, or there's 22 sure. offensive linemen. So that's where you start. And then I actually assigned a grade to all these players and then built a big board of 1 through 150, regardless of position, from these positional lists. So that's kind of the process of with, how it worked. With Brian Burns, number one, the Carolina uh, pass rusher. So w- just on him, how much, how many snaps or games of him did you watch uh, to do it? Do you, I'm just curious. And when you're watching, are you just watching him? Are you watching the team? How do you, you taking notes? You got a notepad, you got a computer. What do you, how do you do it? Well, you're watching him alone, but at times you have to know what is being asked of in this case, the defense and how they're using him and how he responds to the varied alignments that they use him in. So you can see if a system fits a particular skill set of a player. But I think in in his case, I mean, he's such a good player that you don't have to watch many plays, Mike. I mean, my daughter could probably tell me after about 10 minutes, this guy's pretty good, Dad. Uh, So those ones aren't the hard one. It's always the gray area, the always the guys outside that top group that you do spend a little more time on. And it You'll, you'll try to watch, and again, that's why I started this a long time ago, during even the season when we were both busy yeah. with our own chores with, chores with the athletic. Any downtime, I would look at a couple game films on, on as many guys as I could and noted the potential free agents at the end of it when I would try to break down a team, what they're doing. So most scouts look at a minimum of three games before they would uh, – put a, a yeah. number or an evaluation on a guy. There's no way I can do that as one guy. So I can't look at that much film. Uh, fortunately, we have ways now to edit and, and break down specific key plays and other skill sets that can be uh, can be recognized without having to look at three or four continued game films. So um, yeah, depending yeah, you can on the player, situationally. Yeah. yeah, I might look from anywhere from 50 to 150 plays on a player in general. 
Okay, so who was interesting and who did you really, did anybody surprise you or, or you looked at him more than you thought because you had to figure something out? There is always equations, and, and think about your math class. When you have an algebra uh, equation, you solve it by putting one number in there, right? And most of those can be done fairly quick. But remember, when we were kids, we had the story problems, and it was a whole paragraph of information we had yeah. to sort through. Sucked. That's I hated how- those. Yeah, well, that's what these are like for me. Uh, An evaluation is a story problem because it's not cut and dried. It's not the equation leading you to a number. It is all kind of factors, and we talked about some of them. It's scheme. It's health. It's the opponent. It's what's being asked and, and happens with the guy next to him. So it's not objective. It is very subjective, and all of these things enter into the equation. So it it. Easier to solve some than others. I used to do this when I was on the road as a college national scout. I I would uh, say I can solve some of these guys in shoot two hours I'm at the school. Some of them take me two days and I'm not that weekend when I'm writing reports still haven't solved them yet. So that's it, what I'm it, curious. Who who yeah. were those guys for you this year in free agency? Well, I think the 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 guys who really you have to dig deep on are um, in this case I found it was quarterbacks. And not okay. the top guys, but the middle of the road guys. Receivers, you've got to know what they're being asked. And you've got to see sometimes, um, let's take, for example, T. Higgins. Didn't have a great year. Was injured most of the year. Didn't get his perennial 1,000 yards. So you almost had to go back and look at 22 stuff to see what the difference was. Sometimes you have to do that with college kids, too. And the fact, like a quarterback like Drake May, who had two different coordinators the last two years, different systems, different ideas, you have to incorporate all of that into your evaluation. You just can't look at the last three games. So uh, all of these things factor in. Um, There were some surprises to me in two, two facets. One, how certain coaches and schemes used players, and some on how uh, really players that I hadn't heard of, and and I think we both think of ourselves as football fanatics, there were guys that I had not heard of that jumped out at me as, dang, this guy's really good. How come can I not heard this name? Ooh, ooh, you got a couple of those guys off the top of your head? There's a linebacker with the Cardinals, an inside linebacker, Kyle Barnes, who I'm going to be honest, I didn't know who he was. I hadn't seen him before. I didn't know how Uh, Chris. It's Chris Barnes, K-R-Y-S, Chris Barnes. Barnes. He's he's a guy they picked up from Green Bay. Okay, yeah. number fifty-one. So what? He's he's listed number two on their depth chart. So that's an, I couldn't tell you anything about him. I had to look at the hour lads depth chart. I I cheated. So you tell me. Really I, good player. Really good yeah. player. And 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 I had not studied him before. This guy was. He showed range. He showed downhill physicality. He did all kinds of things. He was a really good tackler. He played on third downs. And so I rated him pretty good. And, and some people say, what the hell? You're rating a backup ahead of this. But this is what NFL teams and pro scouts do all the time. This is what they spend 24-7 doing all the time. So they're not surprised like me, but the process led me to be surprised by a bunch of these guys. I had heard through talking with other people, and, and it's no secret that the defensive lineman from the Ravens, how do you say his name? Oh, the, the oh yeah, J- Justin Metabuke. Yeah. How do you say it? Justin Metabuke. Matabu- yeah. Now you're going to make me not be able to say it, Randy. I just said it. Uh, <laughs> Matabuke? M-A-D-U-B-U-I-K-E. And everybody's talked about how good he was. Yeah, so not a secret. Yeah. But when I watch the tape, I'm thinking, he's better than I've heard. He's better than <laughs> these people have told me he was. So yes. you tend to learn more. Uh, there's other guys that, uh, this guy started every game for one team, played safety, um, a bunch of tackles for the most part, 
the the writers loved him that put him on my list initially. I at the end of my evaluation, I said they're playing the wrong guys. This guy shouldn't even be playing. Oh, and who was that? Know? What team was he on? Who was that? Well, I don't want to beat those guys up, but that's okay, a guy okay. from the Commanders, a safety that that I really struggled to to wrap my arms around to say what are they seeing that I don't see. So again, it is subjective, and everybody has different you know, flavors that they're looking for. And you could break down each of these positions with the criteria that makes you uh, shine and makes you say, wow, you know how I am with speed and how I am with receivers. And guys that can run fast are going to filter toward the top of my list, no matter what. That's always been the case. It's it served me well. People can say, well, you're an idiot. And I'm not talking about um, guys that can run fast but can't catch. I'm talking no, about no, yeah. the ability to force defenses to defend you differently is the speed I'm talking about. There's a bunch yeah, of guys were, yeah. in this year's yeah, in this year's receiver group that don't necessarily run really fast, but they're really good players. But I yeah. might value a a speedier guy who can do more for your scheme than you design a play to do because he is faster than anybody else you have. Does that make any sense? It sure so does. It a yeah. Personal criteria factors into this. Yes. This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com MBO. Terms and conditions apply. That's a good segue into the receiver rankings. I want to hit them first. I think the the safety we're talking about on the commanders was thirty one, right? Cam Curl is that who you're talking yes. about? Thirty one, yeah. yes. Good, good, Nothing good against player. Sam, but you were just yeah. a good player. You you were just with the tape didn't quite live up to what you, you were being sold beforehand. But so that's sort of the flip side of our guy on Arizona, the linebacker in Arizona, who no one had even talked about. But when you watch him, it's all it's all driven by your film. You're watching it's the all film. Driven. And you're going, oh, oh. But yeah. your ranking at the end of the day on that 150 board is also driven by the depth at other positions and yeah. at his position. So I yeah. saw four or five safeties that I really liked. So guess what? That drives that player down probably further than he should go. But yeah, you liked Xavier McKinney a lot from the Giants, a lot. right? Yeah, a, a lot. lot. Yeah, yeah, a lot. And, and uh, Winfield from Tampa. And there's a couple Man, other younger yeah. guys. There's a kid the Chargers have that I really didn't know a lot about. But I just like them better. So it drops yeah. some of those other yeah. guys down. So, so their yeah. value on the big board is determined sometimes by how good others at their position are. All right. So let's and dive into other positions. Yeah. We'll dive into the receivers a little bit here. So about 10 days ago, Randy, you tweeted something that generated a little bit of a stir. You're always stirring it up on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, no, you know I'm me. Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> but no, uh, it, it said this. It was after the Chiefs won. And I, I will admit I was a little, uh, I was thrown off a little bit, but we're going to get to the bottom of it. The, the Chiefs are now the poster child for not paying a wide receiver. Will other teams adopt 
and tamp down values of this year's mediocre group of UFA receivers, which I love because this is a tell that you've been watching receiver tapes. <laughs> tell that right there. You couldn't wait for your rankings to come out. But I really, I read this and I thought, wait a minute, you know, the Chiefs' problems at receiver kind of made it hard for them to win it all. If anything, after this season, I would feel they got to address that because you can't just bank on Mahomes pulling it out anyway. But I sort of got the sense after I saw your rankings come out for receivers and looking at this again, maybe you were saying more about the receiver market and free agency than you were necessarily saying about the Chiefs. Because when we look at the free agent wide receiver rankings from you, none of the wide receivers are even among the top 20. I think you had uh, your top receiver was number 23 free agent, Calvin Ridley. Then Darnell Mooney from the from the uh, Bears at, t- at 29. Michael Pittman uh, of the Colts at 32. T. Higgins of the Bengals at 34. Mike Evans of the Bucks at 38. Maybe you can elaborate on what you meant there and why you drew the Chiefs into that. Because I, I think a lot of people sort of thought, wait a minute, no one else can do what the Chiefs are doing because they don't have Mahomes. But maybe that wasn't exactly what you were saying. Well, yeah, there's a lot to unpack there, and, and yeah. I'll try to get to, to all of those. Um, I would say this with regard to those receivers falling so a little lower than most thought in the rankings. Unless you've looked at whoever you said was 32, whether that was T. Higgins or something like that, unless you've seen 1 through 31, you don't know if he's ranked in the right spot yeah. or not. You know what I mean? Because these yeah. other p- players in, in free agency are really, really good. And they yeah. may, may be valued higher on some team's board, which I'm positive they are. So yep. um, it's not a personal slight that I have against any particular player. It is reflective of the the value of the total pool of players and how good they are. But I'll say this, and this goes for scouting individual players in general for NFL teams. And this includes really draftable prospects too. The standards, the criteria, everything that that the people on the outside look at when evaluating, I think there's a lower threshold to pass players on on the outside. Uh Evaluators on the inside of NFL buildings, we beat a lot of players down, man. There's a lot of negativity. There's a lot of more critical eyes. Um, Not everybody is as good as viewed by the outside world. They just can't say that. They never will. You'll never hear anybody say anything bad about it. Why would they? It doesn't make any sense. So sometimes when I do projects like this, I'm a little caught in between. How much can I say? Because again, I'm not trying to beat anybody up, but I'm just trying to point out the facts without making any particular player look bad. But in these meetings in NFL offices, they make people look bad. They say they yeah. say the facts. They tell you the way it is. We're not beating around the bush like sometimes we, we see at the water cooler at work. These guys actually know what they're watching. And you'd be shocked at how good players can still have negative and still have, you can be critical of them. Facts are the, these narratives, you know, they're part of every evaluation. Uh, they just never get made public. So these are really good players uh, that that still yeah. have issues. With regard to the Chiefs part of that question, the Chiefs know they got by with a less than stellar group this year. Trust me, they do. Yeah. And your comeback is uh, like everybody's was with regard to that tweet as well. If you have Pat Mahomes, you can get away with this. That's not a blueprint for others. My point isn't exactly that. It's that with Pat Mahomes and the receiving group, there was a vast canyon between the levels of play. Pat Mahomes made up for that vast canyon. Can other teams do similar? In other words, Josh Allen or or we saw Lamar Jackson in 
prior years not be able to f- close that gap between the lack of perimeter help around him. But now they saw what the Chiefs did and, and that system that Andy runs. Can we get away with at least closing that gap, which means not paying receivers 23, 24, 25 million a year. That's really the big thing the Chiefs have done is they'll upgrade the the quality of receivers, I have no doubt, between now and next year. But if Tyreek deal came available again, would they move him? What's going to happen? And we're going to hit on some of this with some of these other top receivers like Justin uh, Jefferson, Jefferson or, yeah. or Diggs in uh, Buffalo. Are those guys going to get moved? Because nobody wants to pay $25 million for a receiver uh, when that leaves a whole bunch of other holes uh, and choices to build our team elsewhere void. So that's all I'm saying is there's a gap that Mahomes, yes, he mined the gap, as they say in, in London, mined the gap. He mined it really well. Um, and that gap was huge. But can some of these other teams mind the gap as well? And even though they're not as big a gap as where the Chiefs are, that's the only statement I was making. In terms of hey, it doesn't mean we're going to have a bad group, but we don't have no. to. We don't have to have the super high end. Some of this too is where your team build is as well. I mean, you you scratched yeah, your head no when the Raiders were adding Devontae Adams, and you're like, wait a minute, they have a lot of other. The receiver yes. can be sort of the. It's a valuable position, but you don't necessarily start there, right? When you're build, yeah, building not, your team, he, more like the cherry on top that puts us over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. puts us over not the, the top. Meat and potatoes. Has, yeah. yeah, yeah, a little bit. So, uh, okay, so that's a little bit interesting one. Okay, all right. Defensive tackle rankings were interesting too, uh, because I think people noticed right away that Chris Jones was not um, uh, your number one defensive tackle or your number one. Uh, a defensive player, and of course, everyone knows what a great impact he made in the Super Bowl. You had him fourth among the free agents behind Brian Burns, uh, Daniil Hunter, Justin Metabuike, who I said properly, I think, this time. <laughs> uh, at D-Tackle specifically, I think your order was Metabuike, Chris Jones, Christian Wilkins, who you really liked of Miami, Leonard Williams, mm-hmm. Daquan Jones, and Danico Autry, who somebody who surprised you, right? Danico did. Mm-hmm. Very um, much so. From Tennessee, another guy that I had not studied before that really has put together a pretty good body of work that I think people will be valued, uh, they will value it high, and he probably going to get paid some money because of it. Yeah. Yep. My deal with Chris uh, Jones, just to answer Yeah, I want to get into that. Yeah, 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 yeah. What are you talking about him specifically? And, you know, I thought that was one that caught people's attention. Wait a minute, Chris Jones, he's got to be at the top. So what were you looking at and why? He's at the top because he's been uh, highest in, in our recency bias. Obviously, he made plays to determine the Super Bowl. So yep. I think Chris Jones is really good. I think he is top-notch for a bunch of reasons. But I do know what teams do when they start to put together their plans and how they kind of go about their criteria. Age is an issue. Trust me. Age is an issue. And when you go watch Chris Jones' film individually, you might see a player, and I know this to be the fact Uh, when he was in college too and I'm not again beating up on Chris Jones he was the fourth guy on the list but there are plays when he's less than engaged (laughs) there are plays when (laughs) and I'm trying to be nice here there are plays when he picks his spots yes very much so picks his spots and everybody says well he let him pick his spots he saved two touchdowns I get it (laughs) but my point was that's probably the reason he's worth more to Kansas City than another team because they know what they're getting. They know how to deal with it. They know they got to take the bad with the good and they're okay with it. But if you're another team, are you going to pay $30 million for a part-time player? Probably not going to happen. It's probably unlikely that 
he one would go there uh, and two that they would be accepting of everything that they're getting with Chris Jones. So the the body of work in its entirety isn't all, hey, let's pay 30 million. This guy's the greatest ever. It's just not. That's not real. Yeah. So that's kind of where I came down with him. And, and you you talk about Matabukwe. He's an every down, hard playing Jesse man who can rush the passer, who can do all kinds of crazy stuff that at a younger age, I think oh, yeah. we'll probably get more money on the market um, other than just the public narrative of, of, like you said, Chris Jones is great. He should get paid whatever. They can't afford to lose him. I agree with all those. But I think for Kansas City, he becomes more valuable than another team would put value on him, if that makes sense. Yep. The other two at the top, and I'll say this about the, the front seven players. We're talking about defensive rankings. The front seven players that I found in this group is rare, Mike, because they're really good. And yeah. it's going to get weeded out some with tags. I get it. Yeah. But there's probably 10 or 12 guys on here that, that I saw that were difference makers between edge players, defensive tackles, um, blitzing mm -hmm. outside linebackers, however you draw it up for criteria. Really a great group. And it, it went deep. And so there'll be some tags that, like I say, dilute it. But there's still going to be some really good players at that position on the market that I think are going to get paid pretty big money because that is a priority for every NFL team, and it's really hard to find. Let's get into those edge rankings, which first, have we now, or we've, we've conceded that edge is now the, the phrase? I thought you used to kind of mock the term edge in the past. Are we using edge now? Is it just sort of the best word out there for this position? 100%. I'm, I'm converted. You've converted, okay. <laughs> and I, you're kind of saying that tongue-in-cheek, but I deserve a little criticism for no, that, without no. a doubt. No, I, I'm with you. I've been hard-pressed because in, in my history has been an edge player has to play a position. We don't have an edge player position, but right. the game has evolved so much that it's kind of become seven on seven recess football for the most part. So you're playing 60 to 70% of your defense with edge players. So I get it. And so yeah. I'm, I'm on board with identifying some of these players as edge players. That's not to say that they don't have individual criteria and skill sets yeah. that differ. And you can place those depending on your scheme. So yes, uh, yeah. I, I rank them as edge players. I know a lot of NFL teams have have kind of succumbed to that thinking as well. Um, so it's it's Was a PFF unique group the of first players. ones to use start using that a lot. That seems like where I saw that term more it like they had be. it categorized yeah. in maybe years ago. I have to yeah. figure that out anyway. Um, so the order at this position for you was. Uh, wow, number one, Brian Burns, who's number one overall. Number two overall, Daniil Hunter from uh, Minnesota. Number six overall, Josh Allen, not the quarterback. Yeah. Uh, number nine overall, Zadarius Smith. And number 11, uh, Jonathan Greenard. So you've got five, five, of the one, top 11. five of the yeah. top 11 overall guys here are at that position. That's what you're talking about. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. And those are guys are fun to watch. And those guys are game-changing, pass-rushing skill sets um, that can do more than just that. They are pieces that you can move all over the field. You can align them in different ways, in different schemes. And I think really all those guys kind of outplay the schemes whatever and whenever they're asked to do certain tasks. So I just thought it was a great group. Um, I don't know how many of those guys are going to get tagged. Uh, they're all worthy of whatever money they get. 
and there'll be a lot of NFL interest, I think, willing to pay top dollar for them. I thought it was funny, not funny, but interesting. I've read and tried to keep up with the Brian Burns negotiation in Carolina, and it it sounds like the word on the street is they've offered a deal in the average of 27 million range. You know, the Boses make 30, 31. I got news for you. If that's what is going to be the difference between us letting him go <laughs> or, or, or not, I'm probably acquiescing and paying him because that's how good I think these, the, in this case, Brian Burns is. And I think there'll be a ton of teams that would pay Bosa type money for him. So I don't think he's going anywhere. I think he'll get tagged before they ever send him anywhere or let him hit the street. But there's a deal in there to be made somewhere for sure. It's kind of interesting though, too, when you have a high profile player, but you also have a bunch of new people in decision-making positions. I know Dan Morgan is still there. He was the assistant GM and now he's the president GM. So he'll have the history with him. That probably uh, you would think that might help uh, Brian Murray because sometimes when new people come in, it's like, hey, yep. he's got to prove it to me, right? He's got to show it, show me how good he is. And look, this defense last year wasn't. I mean, everybody says it talks like it's good, but they're twenty yeah. seventh in red zone. I think they were twenty second in EPA per play. They were twenty fifth in points allowed, probably something like that. So it wasn't like they were just a world on fire. Uh, but what you're saying is, if you were going in there, you'd prioritize him. I definitely would. And just what you said is a great point, Mike, because. Their teams in the NFL will target teams with decision makers who are new, who have to be sold on certain players as, as, as targets, right? I'm going to go yeah. get them. The, the commanders are a great example of that to me. And I'm going off our grid yeah. here a little bit. No, I like it. The commanders have 20 players that we've talked about, around 20 impactful players of some type. Now, you may like some more or less than others. I get it. But the fact is the new staff there, Adam Peters, Lance Newmark, their new uh, evaluations, their new coaches, have to put some value on those 20 free agents. You may be able to find a player or two that you value more than them, is all I'm saying. Yeah. And so there can be turnover. Yes. You pur- purposely target teams where there's possible turnover in the front office, in the coaching staff, and thus on the roster. So if I'm looking for certain things, I'm going to maybe start with a uh, talking to my pro scouting department of saying, hey, we think these changes have, might have, a, have an effect on their roster. Let's identify a couple guys here that we see as, and the key is, as ascending players. Not that have a full body of work, but that we see a couple things that others might not see. And if we use them in our system, they may ascend to a different level of player. That's how you can sneak and find players. Interesting, yeah. Just looking at all these guys, there's a ton of them uh, on their yeah. team. Was yeah? Is there anyone that stood out to you? I'm just this is a little um, off script, but well, the, the the safety who stood out at me, we talked about going. Yeah, the 31 other way. Cam Curl. Yeah, there's some other guys in there. You know, there are. Curtis there's Samuel, a couple receivers uh, that are fast. Curtis Samuel's yeah, one of them. Uh, yeah. Jamison Crowder, Byron Pringle are the the wide yeah. receivers that could be up. They have a safety that I've watched for years, Jeremy Reeves, who's a Pro Bowl special teams player. 39. That for whatever reason, does not get to play much on defense at all. You that like him? His value. I like him a lot, and I think he is at minimum, a third safety somewhere to where if he wants to become more of a special teams player, it may he may be targeted by some teams as well. But less about that specific, more about that thought process in the general. Idea. Of yeah. The idea of, of going after some of these newly found uh, decision makers who might be distracted on some other task. Yeah, um, or I, have I their own this. guys they want yes. from a different team. Exactly. When 
Mike Holmgren and his staff, and, and you know Mike Reinfeld, a good friend of both of ours, came with, with uh, Mike Holmgren from Green Bay to Seattle in 1999. We had certain free agents on our list of our own who I was worried about losing. They were new, so they didn't really know these guys. And therefore, they didn't really monitor, like I had been monitoring for a few months ahead of time, our own players. So it, it came to find out that there were a couple decision windows where I knew a player was going to leave and go somewhere else and sign. And they hadn't gotten that far yet on their evaluation. So I had, Mike and I became good friends. So we were on the same page. And I said, Mike, we're going to lose this guy. We need to keep him in, in this way or another. And they, they listened to me. We ended up keeping them. And I'm not telling the story to create any credit yeah. for myself. I'm just saying that that communication has to happen in every building where the holdovers have to be respected and listened to. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, you're going to lose some good players along the way. It's, yeah. it's happened for sure a lot. Yep. Okay, let's get into these quarterback rankings. Cause I do want to touch on them because in a minute when we talk about the Vikings and Kirk Cousins, what their options might be. Um, we're going to talk about a potential trade-off like, hey, moving on from Kirk Cousins is one thing, but you got to have someone else stand behind the center and catch the shotgun snap to be able to, to run the play. And that's the hard part of moving on from somebody who's pretty good. But um, if you do not pay, you know, feel great about paying Kirk Cousins here at the top of the market, what about, let's just say, a Sam Darnold for the fraction of the price? You've raised this possibility, and I think it was in uh, – a piece on The Athletic uh, recently, too, talking about what the Vikings might do. But in your free agency rankings, the quarterbacks, this is the order. There's a lot of them. I'll, I'll just try to go quick. Seven, Cousins. 20, Baker Mayfield. 98, Darnold. 103, Tyrod Taylor. 105, Ryan Tannehill. 118, Mason Rudolph. 121, Jacoby Brissett. 127, Gardner Minshew. 134, Flacco. 146, Drew Locke. Big breath, 150. Marcus Mariota, what do you think? Well, where those players ended up being ranked is, again, another example of big picture, how the reflection of depth at other positions, um, just like in the draft, ends up having an effect on where these teams fall. So when people say, and I use this as an, a draft, draftable example, this team needs to move up and draft a quarterback or they need to move here and sign a linebacker, that doesn't always make sense to me because there are other options available that you might like better. It's easy to judge we need a quarterback in a vacuum and put all else aside. We have no chance without one. Mm, I'm not sure, but you've got to consider all options that allow you to fill other holes as well. Um, if you just looked at these available quarterbacks in free agency now, you have to categorize them in my mind, to, and this is the way I did it, to obvious starters, obvious backups, and then you better spend the majority of your time, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, sorting out the middle group. Because there are reasons, and we go back to the story problems, there are reasons why they may have uh, succeeded uh, to starting status with success or failed uh, because of some other reasons around them. Is it the scheme? Is it the organization? Is it the lack of quality players around them? I always say the middle ground is more like, you know, uh, mining that pan of gold and to find one ruby that you can shine when the pan comes out of the water. And so I, I, I tend to not necessarily agree with it when you mentioned the specific example about Sam Darnold. I, I don't start with the premise that Sam Darnold sucks. I start with the premise of, well, let's figure out what's happened. Let's figure out exactly what he was being asked to do. 
And before we say sucks, let's figure out if, if there are other entities involved in this to, that got him to where he was. Which, That's okay, all. now the flip side criticism of that would be, okay, Mueller, you're just going to stay anchored to your pre-draft uh, eval, right? So what's the, what's the truth of that? And I think, I think 99 out of 100 listeners to our podcast would rather have Gardner Minshew than Sam Darnold probably. And same thing in the media, right? But you've got uh, Darnold uh, as the third quarterback here, and you've got Gardner Minshew way down the list, four, five, six, seven, maybe eighth. Uh, so... How much of that is uh, grounded in how, what you thought of Darnold coming out and how much of that is updated information? My information that I use for these is all done in a comparative stamp from a comparative standpoint. Let's put the two names down and go through and and evaluate exactly what the skill sets are and check the box that you like the most. If we're talking about accuracy, if we're talking about arm strength, if we're talking about processing information in the system where Sam Darnold is now in San Francisco, I think you would check all of those boxes and I would welcome anybody to sit down and, and do it with me. I like Gardner Minshew. I just see some things physically that he can't do that Sam Darnold can do. So the margin for error is always greater with someone who can physically make up for some bad play calls or, or a receiver running the wrong route or whatever. I think Minshew is great. He doesn't need a lot of reps. He can make throws that are designed by the system for him to make. He's going to make inconsistent decisions, I promise you. The processing has been inconsistent. Um, he has been in some pretty good systems, I might say, too. So I just feel like that one is is capped out, right, for what he is. And I would love to have Gardner Minshew as a backup. But I don't see him ever evolving into a full-time starter. I still think there's a little window for a guy like Sam Darnold. Um, if you could get the Kyle Shanahan offense uh, to be his next stop or something similar to that. Kevin O'Connell well, in Minnesota, somebody like that, you know, that runs this system. I think he'll be valuable to them. What's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, read a book, show up for a friend, show up for yourself. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Showing up for yourself, that's a big one. That's exactly what therapy is. Doing what you need to do. Carving out the time that you need to make sure that you can show up for yourself and take care of what you need. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash maze today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash maze. When Sweet Tarts dared to combine sweet and tart, they thought, why stop there? Why not create other exciting and unexpected combinations like rainbows and ropes or fruity and gummy or chewy and more chewy? That's why they created fun treats like Sweet Tarts Twisted Rainbow Ropes, Gummies Fruity Splits, and Chewy Fusions. When you dare to combine, it's sure to blow your mind. Sweet Tarts, dare to combine. Visit SweetTartsCandy.com to shop now.
let's get right into that then, because the the Vikings do have a Kirk Cousins decision to make. Maybe it's been made, but we're recording this podcast on February 23rd. Cousins is going to become a free agent on March 13th if he doesn't sign an extension by then. Vikings have already agreed they they won't use the franchise tag on him. That's in the contract. Some have kind of philosophically hoped the team would move on from Cousins, even already, start fresh. Well, there's never been a better chance with Cousins because he's coming off a major injury. He can leave if he wants. He doesn't have a contract. You're going to have to pay him a ton to keep him, and your team's sort of in flux. So I thought, hey, let's lay out the options here, Randy, from maybe most attractive to least attractive from a Viking standpoint. If right now, today, I can hear my phone's ringing now. I'm sure it's Quasi, GM of the Vikings, is calling the show and asking us, hey, guys, what should we do? What, what do you got? What are the best options here, Randy? I hear you. Put him on speaker because I'd love to yeah. chat with him about it. <laughs> I think it's it's fair to couch your decision just that way. My guess is that the Vikings will and probably already have set a threshold of what they're willing to pay to keep Cousins. Um, uh-huh. This also comes with a list of other things, other options that they can do with the rest of their team if they do this with Cousins. Things we can't do is overpay this amount from a cap standpoint uh, because it's going to cost us other issues on our football team that we got to get better. So compare these things to what they do if we had a quarterback that cost half as much. What could we do with the rest of our team if we feel like the step down from Cousins to another alternative, and it doesn't have to be Sam Darnold, it might be somebody else, it might be Minshew, like you mentioned. Is the step down that dramatic that we don't want to check the boxes of three or four other things as well, which might include finding an upgrade at middle linebacker. It may include paying Justin Jefferson, who's screaming for more money. Um, it may make a difference with us keeping Daniil Hunter or not. Um, I'm sure the Vikings are doing all this math currently. If they can find a quarterback middle of the road that can be a bridge running this system to them finding a more long-term view or a long-term better option, I think they'd do it, to be honest with you. I don't know how they solve it at the end of it, but I'm for solving and checking as many boxes as we can with that quarterback money if we're not falling off a cliff in production and skill uh, dropping way down. So that's, again, it's all about options and what you perceive as the better options for you in the long run. And we saw last year going from basically a, a good Kirk Cousins to a to a third string type quarterback yeah, is really what they were playing dramatic. with. Yeah. That falls off the cliff and makes it seem like we got to have Cousins. But what you're yes. saying is, no, 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 there's a middle ground there to where, uh, you know, we especially, hey, we got everyone said Kevin O'Connell's a good offensive coach, right? Well, let's see. Really good. Yeah, Let, let's let's see him coach uh, a quarterback with talent. Like you said, whether it's a yep. Sam Darnold or something like that, with some upside, and get the most out of him, and then be able to plan our team out uh, rather than let's just go all in on Cousins and then try to keep Justin Jefferson and then not be able to do as much else and be right back where we were, where maybe Kirk's on fire playing the best ball of his career, but we're going to be struggling to get our head above water and we're probably not even going to win a playoff game, right? That's sort of where they're at. At the same time, Randy, if you were Kevin O'Connell, or even Quasi for that matter, um, they're not in year one either. So who wants to get worse at quarterback uh, going into whatever year it is, year three, is it year three for those guys? Who wants to get yep. worse at quarterback now? Well, nobody, and that's the that's the key element to it is how much worse are you? 
and yeah. that's subjective and that's in the mm-hmm. eyes of the beholder. And let's just stay on the Sam Darnold, and I'm not making yeah. a case for him, but I'm just using him for an example. Nobody would, I don't think, argue that the Jets let Sam Darnold down, right? I mean, that was a yeah. complete disaster going on there. Um, they well, ship him to Carolina, who gave two or three picks. Guess what Carolina was? Disaster. A total disaster as well <laughs> for offensive schemes, for answers for quarterbacks. It was a struggle. He ended up going to San Francisco close to home, makes a good fit with really a sound offense, and I think really progressed in a lot of ways more this year as a backup in San Francisco than he did the previous four years in these other places. So yeah. there's, there's ways to sort that out in your own mind that it may, uh, for the fans, say, that's ludicrous. Why could you ever consider that? It really... Uh, isn't ludicrous when you when you can rational rationalize why certain players produced or not along the way and 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 really what has to happen for them to to get over the hump. And if I'm in that meeting with the Vikings and given my presentation on that, they said, "Hey, Sando, make the case, you know, for moving in another direction." I say, "All right, let's look at Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. Look at mm-hmm. you, you think he's been somebody who's been in a range of situations from bad to good, right? I don't think he's ever been in a great situation, but just putting him, you know, and look, you had reservations to Baker Mayfield. We're not saying Baker Mayfield's great, but we're just saying, hey, here's a player with some talent uh, who can look really bad or can look pretty good, maybe not as dependent on him as as it is of what's around him. And so uh, if if we can make a parallel to a Sam Darnold, uh, which I, I'm not saying necessarily they're the same, oh. but that's the type of player that, hey, maybe we can get a little bit more out of him than been gotten out of him and our resources are better allocated. And we're going to be moving on from Kirk Cousins at some point anyway. He's not a sure bet long-term anyway. Uh, He's 36, coming off an Achilles. Yeah, Coming off of an Achilles. And shoot, you could, you could double down on him right now for a lot of money and then – you know, hey, the second year there's he does a knee or something because he wasn't all you know wasn't hundred percent or whatever, right? I'm just you know that would be totally plausible uh, part of the decision here. So um, that that could help you decide. You know what? Let's let's consider and, and move in the direction right now. And guess what? Kirk Cousins holds the cards anyway. He may. I don't think he necessarily wants to leave, but he'll have some opportunities out there. Well, the other thing is you make a move for a lesser or a different option besides Kirk Cousins, who you would have to commit, I'm assuming, two or three years, $40 million plus to get. And, and I like Kirk, and we all know that he's deserving of this, especially he's with good. his yeah, yeah, relationship with what Minnesota has. Minnesota picks 11th in the first round, too. So if you do at some point reckon that we can take a slight step back, save $20 million, and maybe move from 11 to 8 or 9 or 7, grab a quarterback that we feel good about for the future, then you've solved it even, I think, more for the long term than you could ever do uh, if you commit $40 million to that spot for two or three years. So that was like in our uh, athletic beat writer mock draft uh, where I think Denver traded up into eight or nine and took J.J. McCarthy. I can't remember who it was who a couple months ago wrote a column saying, look out, McCarthy's going to be drafted <laughs> higher than anyone's thinking. And, and yeah. it, it'd be fun to go back and read the comments on that story that we're probably saying, oh, come on, Mueller, yeah. what are you talking about? But here we are, and that's going to happen probably. And so maybe instead of a Denver team doing it, maybe a Minnesota could be that type of team, get up there, get somebody like that. Although you, you think maybe even McCarthy be gone before that. Is that true? 
two or the I same. would think he is going to be, to be honest with you. Again, yeah. he's not an easy evaluation for a lot of people to make, but mm-hmm. the the highs are so much higher, maybe than everybody, in my opinion, besides Caleb, that it's a matter of how much do you think you can get the lows to be eliminated. And the lows aren't bad at all, but the highs are really high. And so I think I commented to you after that writer's draft the other day that the Athletic had, if Denver trades up and gets J.J. McCarthy, sign me up for that. I want to see that. If I was a Bronco fan, I would be ecstatic over that. Yep. So talk about these quarterbacks and their situations. Uh, before we move on to the next topic, I think Kenny Pickett's related to this too, and we have mentioned him before, but yep. uh, you know, on the podcast, Randy, I've frequently heralded your many, you know, great evaluations here. And <laughs> easy then, now, easy. Yeah, yeah, but but we, you know, we don't shy away when, uh, you know, if oh. there's one that's confounding. And I think Kenny Pickett has been because yeah. I think when he came out, he was maybe the only quarterback you thought that draft should be a first-round pick. No problem taking him in the top 10. And we know Pittsburgh's been its own mess on offense, so that's a huge part of this. But I had to laugh this week because I think Terry Bradshaw came out uh, and replied to – the idea that they might, you know, move on from Pickett and acquire Justin Fields as an idea, and Jack Lambert came rushing up from his middle linebacker position on Twitter, uh, on X, and and was hilarious. I mean, he basically he said, <laughs> he he said Terry is smart and knows the game 100. percent You so-called Steeler fans need to get your heads out of your asses. I mean, come on, this is just classic. This is exactly how you'd expect Jack Lambert with no teeth to be talking. Support and back your starting quarterback pick. And I'm like, hey, right there, I'm backing off. I don't want to be, I got no problem with you, Mr. Lambert. I don't care how old you are. You can kick my ass every day of the week. Uh, but, But he said, hey, on a serious note, he said, Bradshaw lived through some fan media hate, too. You people should yep. know better. It's clear as day how good he can be. Is it really as clear as day, Mr. GM here? Or what do you think? <laughs> Are you sticking to your guns on picket? I just hate it when these quarterbacks become the definition of good or bad based on them all the time. And yeah. that's why I really dispute the stat of quarterback wins and losses because there are so many other things that go into it um yep. it's crazy that these th- people just have a hard time accepting that these are organizational failures or successes especially first round quarterbacks they really are wouldn't we have seen more though or no i think this teams are very critical of themselves we talked about it with regard to how critical they are of players they're also very critical of their own schemes sometimes coaches decisions sometimes other things internally Again, we'll never hear it, though. So I think what's happening in Pittsburgh is they want and still believe in Kenny Pickett. Um, I I cannot fault him with everything that has gone wrong. I can surely say he's played a a small part in it and some some games more of a part than others. But I've said, and and you you confirm this, we've thought that offensive scheme in, in Pittsburgh has been questionable and shoddy for the last two or three years i don't know who could have survived this so um i have just not loved the lack of sophistication the last couple years the lack of answers that they've given their quarterbacks as far as processing from the pocket i think pickett and whoever has been there has been on their own not till the end of this year when mason rudolph played two or three games did we see a quarterback with answers and could find those answers from the pocket he did that but guess what the system had been tweaked enough where they had moved on from matt canada two months earlier and it finally kind of came around or at the end of this season i just think i i still like pickett 
I think he's talented enough for them. Um, and like I said, they want him to have the job. I think before they make a decision on Pickett, this new offense and whether you believe in Arthur Smith and his system or not, I do think it's an identity that's easy, easily definable, which will help Pickett. I think the things that they have been missing in the past are two things that they'll have this year. They will have a running game. They are built to have a running game. Their offensive line is built to have a running game. Their backs are built to run the ball in an effective way. And I think the he is in in Pickett in this case, will have more answers in his back pocket to play with when he's standing on the spot trying to process who to throw the ball to. So I think playing quarterback in the NFL is great if you're talented. You have no chance if you don't have answers because of the system. And, and I'm not blaming coaches. I'm, I, I'll be yeah, honest with you. I've talked to coaches yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, I've yeah. talked to other coaches about it who agree with me that certain schemes and systems work better. And in this case, I just think it's the, the in defense of Pickett, and you can blame Tomlin for not pulling the, oh, uh, yeah. the trigger earlier. He's ultimately, because, he's ultimately yeah, responsible. Loyalty is, is a fault as well. I just think, and this is in hindsight, a different system is going to allow Pickett to either sink or swim, and we're going to find out next year. And before they pull the plug on him, Steeler brass, Steeler decision makers are looking for that bit of information. I can't wait to see this because, you know, remember when Arthur Smith uh, was with Tennessee, they picked up uh, Ryan Tannehill, who was sort Tannehill. of on the, yep. you know, and he had had more success, obviously. He had had some decent seasons in Miami. He was at least a mid-pack type of yep. a starter, uh, top 20 for sure uh, in the league. But he had some years there where they really produced, you know, at, at a different level. And it was, you know, they had a great running back and some good yep. skill weaponry too. But uh, what you're saying here is that, hey, coming out of the draft, you thought Pickett had a chance to be a top half of the league quarterback. And you still think that if yep. we can get him you know, something better than remedial help from his scheme, which we should be able to get now. So I think they have players, Mike, they have perimeter players. They have people up front. Now they've done a pretty good job of building and, and, and doing some things offensively that should have resulted in, in more production and, and more success. And we haven't seen that because I just think the system hasn't helped them along the way. Yep. We're, we're, we're rolling, Randy. I mean, we got four Sorry, or five man. more topics we could put on here, but let's make a couple choices here of what we want to hit before we wrap this thing up. Is there any? We're going to be heading to the combine uh, here this uh, weekend. Is there anything out of that you want to hit on before we wrap this up? This whole podcast was basically a GM notebook. We went through the whole thing. We don't. <laughs> we don't have a separate one. We we basically used it. But I got a. We got four or five things on here. We, we want to wrap it up with any any one of them. Does any anything well, kind of jump out to you? Yeah, there's a couple things that I think we could term as GM notebook type rules. Okay. And All right. we did we talk about the um, added pressure that players have now in dealing with social media. And, and, yeah. and that seems like a topic that is nothing new. People understand that. Mm-hmm. But I have heard some things in the last week that I think are worth addressing, whether it be Michael Parsons' comments on mm-hmm. the Worldwide Leader or some other podcast of just spewing out, in my opinion, <laughs> bullshit, you know, just to the <laughs> ratings. I think the GM it, doesn't like the star player no, out there to, to set the agenda I, for personnel. What can be gained from this? As a team, I'm always team first, and nothing can be gained from these comments that he's making. The same can be said for Antonio Pierce, who appeared on 
Um, their podcast, oh, yeah. the, the defensive yeah. lineman, the rushers podcast. Max Crosby he, was it? Yeah, Max Crosby just spewing out garbage about the Mahomes rules and this or that. And <laughs> what's he talking about? Why would you put a target on yourselves because you beat the Chiefs one time on Christmas Day in Kansas City? Now you you think you're on par with them? I got news for you. The Chiefs are not on par with the uh, uh, the Raiders are not on par with the Chiefs. Trust me. I know I'm going way out on a limb by saying that because they beat them. But that is not the case. If I'm Antonio Pierce, I just got to throttle it back. And I know, know Tom Telesco well. My guess is he is in his office cringing every time Antonio Pierce goes public with some of these crazy comments that could come back to haunt us down the road. I just wish he'd go spend time with his coaches and actually install offenses and defenses that are going to help us get better and coach the team. Well, that's an interesting thing because I do, this reminds me a little bit of, uh, you know, it's not the same, but a little bit of the same. So Dan Campbell has been, was criticized early on for not, you not really talking about opponents, but just the way he sort of spoke. But over time we saw, Hey, he knew what he was doing. And so he's being authentic. He's being true to himself. Antonio Pierce, is he, uh, where's that line, Randy? Is this interim coach behavior from him talking like that? Is it Antonio Pierce? Hey, you know what? I'm going to be true to myself. I was a hard hitting linebacker in my day and I'll fight anyone in the alley tomorrow. And that's going to be the, the MO of our team. Uh, or no, he should, he should now be, you're saying, uh, he's got to throttle that down. You're not a player anymore. You're not a uh, interim coach. You're now, uh, sort of the CEO messenger, you know, uh, head of the messaging for our franchise. Is that what you're saying? I'm saying, yeah, Antonio Pierce is acting like a linebacker for the giants. That's what he's acting like. And, and, and going public with a lot of these comments, I think in, in a way hurt his leadership in his own locker room, because mm. there's a lot of smart guys in there. A lot of guys that do have team first that understand the, the direction we need to be headed. And yeah, his style is different. And I credit him for what he did last year of five or six games or whatever it was when he was the coach. It's going to be different now, and I think you're going to see the, 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 the mantra of say less, do more come more into play because I'm sure this will be brought up by the powers that be there, things like this. Let's just take what he said about Mahomes in particular and, and, and spin it a little bit. He, he said, and we all know the Jordan rules, when, when, when the, Michael Jordan was playing against the Pistons, the Pistons had rules that said, oh, yeah. we're going we're gonna to knock Michael Jordan down no matter what. He's not going to score a lay-in. We're going to go out of our way to, I don't care if we hurt him, I don't care what happens, but we're going to treat him different. And really, that's what he's saying about Mahomes. We're going to treat him different. We're going to have to hit him, pinch him, move him. Do you think this league in this day and age now is not going to have every eye on the Raiders when they play the Chiefs next year, whenever that is? It may cost this team. A 15-yard personal foul late hit carries a lot more weight than a personal foul in a basketball game uh, when you're basing the Jordan rules, uh, comparing them to the Mahomes rules. So the stakes are much higher. The, the, the accountability is much higher. And I just think it's crazy to even go down this road. Even if you thought this, you would never say it publicly. It's, it's really on the line of, of bounty. Uh, ask Sean Payton how that went. And, and the Saints, when they decided to do things really not publicly, but uh, when they went after Favre and other players uh, behind the scenes. 
young fans go on to YouTube and search for Ben Davidson's hit on Len Dawson uh, back in the day, his little Raider uh, hit on the quarterback there where the play's totally over. He comes in, dives his head right into the back or side of, of Len Dawson. It was a big deal. I think Mahomes might also uh, turn to hit, turn to the official and ask for a call. Do you think that would happen in the game? Pretty sure he'd probably that? get it. I pre- I'm pretty sure he'd get it, too. <laughs> he always that's, does that. That's the crazy I love, thing. I love watching Mahomes yeah. play, but that's one thing. He's hey, all these, gonna, co- all these quarterbacks do it. Yeah. Oh, they all they got the, the referee is their caddy. The guy's yeah. basically, you know, hands him <laughs> basically all but hands him his towel between plays, you know. Well, and they're gets on ready. a first-name like basis. There's like no a ring doubt. man, they like Rogers. They, Remember Rogers yeah. would be like, hey, Carl, or oh, whatever, yeah. you know. Hey, yeah. how's the kids, you know, all that First name basis, no doubt. I think you're barking up the wrong tree trying to to rough up Mahomes in that way in any way outside the rules. Although, I understand the mentality, but I get what yeah, you're saying. We'll watch and see where it goes. We'll see if this is a one-off in the offseason or if it's going to be like this all the time. And and uh, I'll take the Chiefs and the points against uh, the Raiders next season in the first game. What do you think about that? Yeah, I'm, I'm count me in on taking Mahomes and Andy right. Reid, all right? No matter what right. gets said between now and then, too. Right. Sounds good. All right, hey, we are going to head to the Combine. The Football GM Podcast is going to take a couple weeks off. Next Friday, and or next Saturday, I guess, and the Saturday after that, we will not have a show. We're going to just be cramming for our show after that, just totally preparing. Now, we're going to take a little bit of a break and a, and a deep breath. and uh, Just two weeks, two weeks. Just two weeks, and then we'll talk yep. to everybody. Then we'll be ready to dive into free agency. Everyone's got the rankings now they can look at, and we're ready to go. So I'll see you in Indy. we got a steak dinner. Sounds good. Count me in on that. I'm looking forward right. to, to going to Indy. Believe it or not, I, I do want to go. And uh, Yeah, you've been uh, how many times? Oh, I've probably been 30 times. <laughs> oh, at least. At least. <laughs> at least. Yeah, yeah that doesn't okay. count games. So I like Indy. It's a good town, and it's a good place to have the combine. And it is. It, it is the, the central hub this time of year, especially for all NFL parts to be moving, and, and it, it's a fun time. I love it. Even though some teams are not sending as many people, I just love seeing yep. all the people from the league there. It's just a great, great opportunity. So we'll, if there's any people from the league there that, that are listening today, we'll see you there, and uh, we'll see everybody else in a couple weeks. This was the Athletic Football Show's Football GM Podcast. Hey, baseball fans, this is Derek Van Riper. Now that spring training games are underway, opening day is just a few weeks away. Eno Saris and I have been getting ready for the season all winter on Rates and Barrels. Whether you're a seasoned fantasy player, a baseball stats junkie, or just someone who wants to learn more about the game, join us for four episodes each week this season, including our new Friday live stream with former big leaguer Trevor May. Check out the live stream on Fridays at 1 o'clock Eastern on the Rates and Barrels YouTube channel, or listen to the show wherever you enjoy your podcasts, including the ad-free option on the Athletic app.